This morning we share in two scripture readings, one from the Old Testament book of Genesis. We will read some familiar verses about Noah's story from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. And then we will turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. And we'll think about water a lot this morning. Genesis, we read, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between you and me and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again, never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Now God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. And now we turn to the Gospel of Mark. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee to be baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water... He saw the heavens torn apart like a spirit, and the spirit, descending like a dove, came upon him. A voice from heaven came, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness for forty days. He was tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What are the signs of the times? What are the signs... Of our times. When we think about what makes our time, our time, good or bad, oh, there's probably a lot of things that we think of. It's probably fair to acknowledge an exposure to violence is profound in our times. Oh, I'm not sure how different the political discourse is in our times versus previous generations, but polarized political conversations are a sign of our times, or exposure to them certainly is. 
thinking close to home, if you asked a realtor in Oxford what was the sign of the times, they might compare the number of for sale signs with the number of sold signs. You ask a retailer about the sign of the times and they might lament those brown trucks running around town dropping Amazon boxes off on everyone's front stoop. But every time and place and culture and time period and every people and community have had their own signs of the times. It's part of the human experience that there will be signs of our times And though that's typically used with a negative connotation, when we let that phrase slip over into God's work, what are God's signs of our times, or the signs that God is present with us in our times, I hope we can see some positive things. Now, of course, we see God's power and presence in positive ways in our scriptures today. Though, even those scriptures are not without some stress and tension. I hope we see that God was present in the very beginning in Genesis. And we see that God promises to be with us till the end, through the life and resurrection of Jesus. And as I work through these thoughts and others this week, uh, a song from the David Crowder band called The Glory of It All just kept running through my mind. Just a couple simple lines were there. At the start, He was there. In the end, He'll be there. After all our hands have wrought, He forgives. The glory of it all is that He came here. I thought about that. Those dual promises that at the start, God was there. At the end, God was there. And I thought about how present they are in those passages today. God was hovering over the waters of Genesis 1. God was there playing in the dust in Genesis 2. In the end, after the flood destroyed the earth, God was there making a promise. In the life of Jesus, God makes a promise. Flip to the end of Revelation and read the last chapter of the book and God is there with a promise. Ultimately, from the dust of the ground to the dust that we were before we were merely a twinkling in our mother's eye, all the way to the end when we are put back into the dust of the ground. I think the sign of the times has to in part be that God is there from dust to dust and beyond. And between the dusts, there's almost a totally different sign. A sign that even we use to describe ourselves as Not Methodists, not Episcopals, not Catholics, but as Baptists. Between the dusts of the beginning and the end, we read two stories about water as a sign. 
in the between times when we are alive, spiritually, a sign for us is water. Water shows us life. Practically speaking, 71% of the earth is covered in water. And that doesn't count permanent snow and ice caps on the north and the south. There is water in soil that holds moisture. There is water in the atmosphere that allows us to complain about humidity. There is water to keep you alive. 90% of your body weight is water. And roughly 60% of your body is water. Without water, there is no life. And without water, it's almost as if all there is, is dust. So when you're watching an old western and a tumbleweed tumbles across the desert in a dusty scene and the ominous music plays underneath it, oh, they got it right. Because in contrast to the life that comes with water, dust is the stuff of death. And since no one can live as water alone... It's helpful to grasp some spiritual significance to the water that is in Scripture. And it's helpful to think about when you're perusing the the aisles of the convenience store, maybe the company that got it most right is that life water company. Because one of the signs of our times needs to be the power of God that comes in life and that's reminded to us by the water around us. Now, it's important to acknowledge water can be destructive, and I suppose it's not that pithy for the preacher to say the the water of God might destroy your plans for your life and give you God's plans. I think that's probably what God intends. But it's also fair to remember that water is not all fun and games. Ask anybody with an old basement. Or ask a church and a bunch of deacons about their old basement, right? Water has a way of seeping into the places where it's not supposed to be. Oh, water, it's a sign of the life and excitement that comes during the summertime, isn't it? But the power of water is on display all summer. We don't let kids go to the pool without lifeguards. We don't go in the ocean when the waves are too big. We take heed of those rip current warnings, don't we? When it's time to rebuild a house at the beach, we put it on stilts. And then it's hard to ignore the power of water when it all gets wrapped up and spinning around and gets named like Hugo or Katrina or Floyd or Matthew or Harvey or Maria. Against the power of water in this way, we have little defense. And that is what is on display at the beginning of Genesis 9. Oh, the children's version of the Noah story is that the animals march two by two onto the giant ark. We, just, we explore Noah's faithfulness. We give thanks when the birds come back with an olive branch. 
We're happy when the waters recede and the rainbow goes into the clouds. But in the adult version, we remember that God was upset with humanity. But the flood, and after the flood, and after the anger and the separation, the destructive power of water becomes transformed by God. The water is what gives rise to the rainbow. It's forgiveness. It's commitment to all of God's creatures and all of God's being on the, beings on the earth. After the water, God trans, after the destructive water, God transforms the water and says it will no longer wash generations away. Its destructive power will be channeled into destroying that which is evil within us. And the rainbow reminds us that God will be with us. And the rainbow in Genesis reminds God not to destroy us. The floods of the waters that once destroyed become transformed and begin to wash us clean and become a sign that after the storm, after the hurricane, after the terrible rains of life, God is still committed to all of his creation. The sign of the times is that after the flood, the promise comes and reminds us that God will still be with us always. In the Gospel reading from Mark, we marvel once again at Mark's ability to get things done. In six verses, Jesus gets baptized. The sky parts, the Holy Spirit comes down. He's tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. The angels attend to him. John is then arrested and Jesus begins his preaching ministry. Like I said, Mark does more in six verses than most of us do all day. But it all begins with the water. With Jesus walking through that symbol of water that we hold so close to us. So close that we name ourselves after it. Jesus is baptized. He's immersed in water. And when he's raised up, the promise of God comes after the water recedes that you are my son, my beloved. With you I am well pleased. If water is a symbol for life and we connect it to our spiritual lives, then as just as Jesus is washed in water and the presence of God is there offering blessing and assurance and proclamation, that same presence and power of God that was with him is there for us also. When we walk through the waters, God promises to be with us. Today we're, we've donned our purple, our Lenten purple, the first Sunday of Lent. One of the signs of our times in a very specific way is that this is the first Sunday of Lent. And Lent begins on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, with a service where we're rem- we are reminded, this week we were reminded that we started as dust, God breathed life into us. And we will return to dust, but, but we're returning to dust also with the promise that God will breathe everlasting life into us again. There's a temptation, though, in the season of Lent to think about all of the fasting 
in a way to just dwell on the ashes. To remind ourselves of the restraint that's necessary and to withhold everything from ourselves and spiritually sit with the ashes as if it were some kind of punishment for our sinfulness. But then, on the first Sunday of Advent, we read about the cleansing power of water. About the life that comes from water. And we are reminded that we are not just to sit with our ashes, but to be refreshed by the forgiveness that God offers. The destructive the destructive power of water through God's transformation gets turned onto our sinfulness and the ways that we see death. The baptism of Jesus and the rainbow in the sky remind us that water now brings life. Water brings hope and life. And when we turn our faith aright, we draw strength from these signs And they become the signs of our times. That we are God's people. Baptized and washed and created for good works. And loved and created to love. The Crowder Band song reminds us, At the start he was there, and in the end he'll be there. In the end, when what is left of us is but dust, the Lord will be there. And just as the Lord in Genesis 2 blew on that dust and gave it life, so too will that God breathe everlasting life into us when the signs of these times are the signs of water and baptism that have marked us. And so are you being marked? Are you marked and remembered and living through that water of life? Or are you playing in some other dust? There are many signs of our times. When historians look back at 2018, they will point back, because hindsight is 2020, at what the signs of our times were. And just like watching those I Remember the 80s TV shows, we'll nod in agreement, yeah, that's what 2018 was like. But as Christian people seeking to follow the Lord faithfully, one of the signs of our times must be the water that washes us. And so make way for the way that God works through water as a symbol of God's promise that you are loved and that all of creation is loved. Make way for the promise of the waters of baptism as a reminder that God loved you and in you God is well pleased. And no matter what other signs of the season or the times or your life want to impose themselves upon you, and mark you, and brand you, and promise you something else. Make sure that the cleansing power of the Lord's water is one of the signs that you embrace the most. For through the Lord, the destructive power of water is turned to life. And in the Lord's water, the signs of life 
abound. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we give you thanks for this day and we give you thanks for the power of your love, your forgiveness, and your power to transform that, that which we cannot transform on our own. Lord, we try to push the waters away. We build walls to keep it out of our basements. But you, Lord, you take the waters and wash us clean and set us free and bless us with it. And so, Lord, may we see that power of water in our lives. May we remember our baptism and the time when we walked through the waters of baptism. And Lord, may we be encouraged again of the commitment you made to us when you were with us first so that we might remember your commitment to us and be assured that you'll be with us again in the end. And Lord, help us to faithfully attend to the signs of these times so that we might see that you are not just with us at the beginning or the end, but that you are with us today as well. This, O Lord, is our prayer, and we offer it in your great name. Amen.